0: and now rate that album season three with paul muadib and joe freming two guys who know stuff hi and welcome back
1: to rate that album back and forth album review between myself joseph freming and my good good friend paul muadib paul are you too high you too high but you ain't touched the sky.
0: I am too high to be on this fucking podcast tonight. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> on the Delta 9 there, Paul? Or? Uh no, you remember they 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 legalized the uh the is it the delta yeah they did. They they was that the 50 milligrams here? Yeah, I might be on some edibles uh legally. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just
1: on good old caffeine, wrecking my body after election week. Uh, people if you don't know, I work in uh, newspapers and news media it's wild. I'm still recovering. I think that the world the country's still recovering. Uh, just.
0: everybody just like, <laughs> let it recover. <laughs> yeah, absolutely it's God damn it. you bring up politics, I start sneezing. That's um, right. well, that's right I'm allergic. I know uh, go it ahead it from a political album, Paul. We did. Oh, we absolutely did. Tricky Dick, buddy. (laughs) Tricky Dick. Uh,
1: Yeah, I decided uh, just on a whim because I like this album quite a bit, but I haven't listened to it in many years. I decided to go with Stevie Wonder's Inner Visions from 1973. Uh, Paul, before we get into it, uh, what are your thoughts on Stevie Wonder in general? I know I have my yeah. critiques of mr wonder but i'd like to hear
0: yours first so when i was a kid when i was a kid um my mom listened to i just called to say i love you um and several other of the of the 80s um stevie wonder songs that was the stevie wonder i knew which was fine light rock you know light r&b that type of thing when we got into high school and things like that, you know, you start getting kind of in the counterculture, uh, things of that nature. And man, I got into early Stevie Wonder. And that was, I was like, holy shit, the same guy that wrote this did these songs. Um, uh, so I did not realize just how many albums though Stevie had done. The guy's freaking prolific. And this album. I knew very well because Higher Ground is just a phenomenal song and we'll get there and this out too high and don't you worry about a thing. I mean, this is I think a really groundbreaking album in my mind. What about you, Joe? Yeah, I was in the same boat like when we were growing up, because everywhere was I
1: just called to say I love you and all that. And then when again, like you and I are in high school, uh, we were both very much record dorks. Uh, yes, we were. We read books on bands. Yes, yeah, we did. <laughs> both yes, of we, us we both did. did. We
0: both did. Yes.
1: Yeah. And so around that time, I listened, uh, I, you know, uh started listening on uh, CDs and like I picking them up. And one of them was uh, Inner Visions by Stevie Wonder. And it kind of blew my mind because I didn't really, this is the guy who was like mostly, I associated with, you know, the 80s pop, and then, like, the little Stevie Wonder stuff from MoTown. Yep. But holy shit, he had a lot to say <laughs> on this album when I first heard it, and a lot of it, I you know, it was hard for me to wrap my head around. Yeah. We're pretty young. So.
0: We're pretty young, yep.
1: So, yeah, that's how I came across it. And, uh, and then it kind of started dawning on you, like, these songs on some of the classic rock stations, you know, we grew up with. I didn't even know it was Stevie Wonder, I would say. Like, Superstition. Like, I just thought it was, like, another R&B band or whatever.
0: Mm-hmm. That's yeah. a fucking solid song. That's a solid, 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 solid fucking song. <laughs> That's yep. Signed, Sealed, Delivered. Oh. <laughs> signed, Sealed, Delivered. Yep. <laughs>
1: uh, yep. Yo. Know, uh, dance on reggae woman boogie on reggae woman and stuff like that when i oh, yeah. came across when i started getting into the jam bands so you're the sunshine
0: of my life um yeah. sir duke sir duke um what else was there that girl living um, for the city living for the city master blaster
1: yep yeah yep. so i mean this is a uh, <sighs> You know, we do a lot, we've covered a lot, uh, what, two two plus years we've been doing this. Uh, yep. When I say musical genius, uh, so this is the second one. I would say Zappa was the first musical genius that we've kind of dealt with. And Stevie Wonder absolutely is a
0: musical genius. Uh, yeah, I tr- I throw around musical genius a lot more loosely than you do. Um, I, I I do it. And I know I'm doing hyperbole when I, when I do that, by the way, but when you bring up true musical geniuses, yeah, I would agree with you. Zappa and Stevie wonder here. Um, these are, I mean, again, every album, when you go back and look through Stevie's catalog, pretty much every album was had something that resonated. I mean, again, this is his 16th album yeah. and this isn't even this album. And as incredible as it is, he doesn't even consider it his best work. That wouldn't <laughs> happen for a couple more albums yet.
1: Yeah. So this falls into, so Stevie wonder, if you don't know, is R and B got to start as R and B singer and Stevie wonder known mostly for ballads and stuff, uh, but come the seventies, 70s uh, R&B is my favorite R&B, Paul. It's, oh, yeah. It's funky. So I have like three albums that I just adore from this kind of era. It's uh, this album, visions, Marvin Gaye's What's Going On, yep. and uh, the Superfly soundtrack by Curtis Mayfield. Hell, yeah. Like all those three albums just have like this kind of sam- similar vibe, you know? That, for Stevie Wonder, though, this falls when he's in his 20s, and it's called his classic era. It begins with uh, Music on My Mind, yep. followed by Talking Book, which is fantastic. Yep. Inner Visions, fulfillingness's first finale, and then Songs in the Key of Life. And Songs in the Key of Life, like, this is all in a short burst of time. Yeah. yeah. These are yeah. just like each year. So like, I would say this probably like a six year. And Songs in the Key of Life is a double album with an extra EP with it
0: and that's the one that he considers to this day to be his masterpiece that's that he says is his best work is keys yeah. in the song of life yep I, I wouldn't
1: argue with it i love that album. i just think it's 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 sprawling it's like when we did the zap album you know it gets to be a little overwhelming at times that's why i went with
0: inner visions because it's a pretty I, compact solid it's just i i i'm so glad you went with this one honestly versus key of life i mean key of life. we can touch briefly on it exactly it's sprawling it's genius and yes it's a wonderful piece of work but to re- uh, to listen to it for a review of you know trying to get through that multiple times in a week-long period um and give it its du- you know its due would be <sighs> a um it's a bit of a daunting task and i think also if you know, you know, and if you don't know, look, go check it out. I mean, but yeah, it would. I think you and I would have been like, Man, by the end of it, it'd be like, It's just too much, TV. but it's so good if you're not listening to it for a review. Does that make sense, Joe? What I'm yeah, to yeah, say plus
1: it'd been a very long winded <laughs> review because there's so much material on there. Uh, Hell yeah. So, uh, so we're doing Intervisions, which is uh, the third in this sprawling. <laughs> uh short burst of like incredible music genius that he did uh, that he you know, he was never really to, able to replicate, but you know, he, he did just fine with his pop stuff in the eighties. Like a lot of uh, classic artists, Bowie did the same thing.
0: Yep. Absolutely. Away
1: from the eighties stuff of Bowie or wonder. It's just really not mostly not my thing, but the seventies of those guys are fantastic
0: you know i i for me bowie is like it's like an anomaly in that regards where i really did appreciate a lot of the things even the weird even some of the ballad stuff like the modern love and that type of thing and then like again for him to kind of reinvent himself kind of in that unusual and in, uh, pseudo industrial techno lynchian thing that he did especially with deranged in the 90s like david boys one of those people were like i can kind of go with it you know what I mean and I think I would be better off like with like a lot of bands if they were to have kind of done another revision but the problem that I think happened with a lot of the classic artists unfortunately like Stevie and some of the others was after the kind of the drawl and the doldrums that were the 80s a lot of them couldn't get themselves out of that mode and move along into the 90s and the 2000s um fairly well um and that's nothing to say again not about the musical genius but again think about it too he's 20 in 1973 when he's making this album so you know you're in your 40s now when you're getting into the 90s it's it's, you're a different person
1: yeah you're a different person and different kind of music interests you so like what he Mm -hmm. was doing really didn't interest me i can still appreciate the genius of it yeah but you know but i'm still just this 70s
0: era and it, it is funky paul it, it is, is. Funky. it's funky and it's fantastic and I, you know also, me, I love me some funk oh yeah
1: and i figured this would be up your alley too just because it's so musically fucking again genius it's the arrangements and the
0: production and the fact that he mostly plays all the instruments on that's song. that's the thing yeah most of these songs it's he's like a beck it's just him. And yep. there's a lot of instruments. There's a lot of instrumentation going on. Yeah, so he yeah. even in,
1: kind of created his own style of drumming with the, the hi-hat. And you hear it when we all talk about living for the city. It's mm. he kind of created invented for himself this slushy, which you know I don't think was a lot of people were doing at the time either. Like he had his own like way.
0: Yeah, he did. Like, and he was one of the first really also um, adopters of the Moog, um, uh, you know, the, the Moog and, and, the, and the Tonto synthesizers. Um, and so you definitely hear it on this and he uses it again for him being such an early adopter and kind of setting the tone, I think for a lot of people went along. I mean, Gio, um, um, Gior- uh, he really kind of was the godfather of Moog, but I think Stevie Wonder became the the blueprint for the Moog, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that's also his Fender Rhodes electric piano too. kind of fuck yeah, the regular piano for the 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 Fender, which is also very important in the sound of this album.
0: Very, <laughs> yeah, very, and funny. it's it's it it's it's what gives it that classic funk. Uh, God, it's so good. All right.
1: All right. Let's start. Let's do the track by track now, Paul.
0: All righty, buddy.
1: Let's start with, uh, an anti-drug do song I... that very much sounds like a drug song.
0: Too <laughs> high. It does sound like a pro-drug song, doesn't it?
1: It. yeah, this is, a. Uh... I imagine this is a good song to listen
0: to while you're on your edibles, Paul. Dirty, dirty, dirty dirty stoner. Yeah. Um, I I absolutely uh, love this song, you know, too high. I'm too high. Oh, and just the, 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 the thing that Stevie does and it's, it's not just Stevie, but I feel like Stevie again, set the blueprint for a lot of what was going on, or at least if he didn't set the blueprint, he perfected it. Um, is that is the arrangements of what he's doing and kind of picking these um, fourths and fifths um, that don't typically go with like you know that became kind of that funk um, thing. So you get that right off the bat when you're going into us. Now, unfortunately, yeah, it actually does sound like a very pro drug song. Um, you know, I, I mean, just, I'm too high, I'm too high, but I ain't touched the sky. I mean, come on. But then you get to the verses, and, you know, even... Even this doesn't sound too bad. She cha- she's a girl in a dream. She sees a four-eyed cartoon monster on the TV screen. She takes another puff and says, "It's a crazy scene. That red is green, and she's a tangerine. I'm too high, and I'm like, that's not really a bad thing, Stevie." But then we get to the end, and she fucking dies. And you're like, "Oh, that's a bummer." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Which then,
1: and like, also, what I love about this song, which is a like, the, how it starts that do 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 do, very. It reminds me of kind of like what Zappa was kind of doing. Oh yeah, like, like uh, I don't. I'm not a musician. Like what would you call it? Because it seems like very off, but it's still musically
0: correct. Yeah, it. Well, it's it's it basically it's dissonance and dissonance. Um, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Just, it's dissonance. It's but not it's like dissonance. in the David Lynch dissonance. It's more like it's
1: it's so slightly that it's just like whoa. Wait a second. It kind of makes you.
0: Pay attention to it. Yeah. So um, a lot of composers use this. And that, that's why I, because Zap, I would consider more of a composer than I would a musician. Stevie, I'd consider more of a composer than a, than a musician in terms of they're writing essentially classical music and then converting it into what is a modern take on it um so what you have is these wonderful things that we really lose in modern pop music which typically is just bass and rhythm right it's it's i mean it's just it's the uh not the bass it's it's the rhythm and um and the chorus i mean that's all it is it's just it's harmonies are kind of been out for a long time other things have been out but in doing this there's other ways in the scales that still work But because we are not accustomed to it in terms of, like you go back to a lot of classical music from the 1800s, 1700s and earlier, you hear a lot of this. But as music became more mainstream and easier to digest, it just kind of got lost. So Stevie does it, Zappa does it, um, and a lot of fat jazz and funk use it a lot. Um, because it does exactly as you said. You pay attention. You're like, because you think it's gonna go one way, and it doesn't. But it's still musically correct. But it's not in the correct way that you're familiar with it. So you're like, wait, what? What? What is that? And I love music that does that.
1: Exact. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's uh, you know, and people that remember, like he's putting this, like unlike I uh, would say he's putting this into like a more digestible pop song, mm-hmm. which is like I wish more bands would do this sort of thing. I wish yes. there was more innovation and more taken influences outside of, you know, what we're mostly seeing these days. Like, fuck man, this is like jazz. Like the music on this album is like all over the map. There's like so many influences.
0: And there's so many influences. There's so many genres and it's, it's a fusion. It's a straight up fusion album. And it is, it's it's masterfully done especially for it being in the early 70s one guy doing it it's fucking masterful is the best way i can put it
1: yeah and i was actually thinking about it paul so like like pop music and rb music and rock music as it was known as we know it but when this album's made it's only like 23 years old right Right. You know, that's really weird to think about <laughs> like so like i think like they're more i don't know maybe there's more of a push to like push the limits that as opposed to today or maybe today is just it's such a money-making venture that
0: people just don't
1: want to take the risks i have no idea
0: i think a lot of it is okay So I, I took choir for 13. I'm not, I mean, I'm not ashamed to admit this. I took choir for 13 years. I'm self-taught on seven different instruments. I've been in four different bands. Um, I never once learned how to read or write music. Never. I, I learned by ear. Um, and like people they're, they're like, they're, you know, my teachers and things like that, they, they hated this. Um, you know, I learned guitar from first learning the chords and, 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 um, tab but then being able to listen to what other things were doing and hearing the notes and being able to put, that's a G chord, that's a C chord, that's a that's a G sharp, that's a major, that's a minor. Without learning how to read or write it, I started creating songs based around these chord structures that I was able to kind of pick out and do things with. Um, and unfortunately, I don't think I'm the only one that does that. And I think the art of composing, the art of sitting down and writing music um in a classical um sense and not a pop or a mainstream um or a modern sense is really really lost. I don't think there's a lot of artists out there right now that could write a real true harmony um piece or a real true I think if you took a hundred bands and a hundred artists um from all different facets across the genres, um I outside of like maybe the funk and the blues and uh some of the more ones that actually kind of are not in the mainstream you're not going to have people that can do what this is being done and um you know that's where and and unfortunately is a dying art
1: yeah i mean i'm i was kind of glad when was john batiste did Mm -hmm. the album of the year last year for like yes pretty much a very much a world music vibe album jazzy album so it's out there it's just it's it's just not popular.
0: No, and and that's something that Zappa railed against a lot of times. He's like, look, why are we not encouraging world music? Why are we being so um, ethnocentric when it comes to our music? Why are we not introducing all these different things? Why are we not teaching our kids all these different instruments and all these different ways of writing music? And he's like, it's it's it, it, we're gonna lose it, and it's gonna become boring, and it's gonna become stale, and it's gonna become, sheen. And look what happened. He was completely right. He saw. Common,
1: yeah yeah so now we go into probably i think this is my either favorite or second favorite uh visions
0: visions yes
1: i love the the guitar on here mm-hmm. love it just this is one of those songs that just kind of calm me down <laughs> like
0: mm-hmm. if i'm having
1: a real shit day i can put this on and just kind of my blood pressure will just kind of drop a bit
0: you know, one thing I was very
1: introspective song too.
0: <laughs> very. It's it's a yeah, very introspective song. And one of the things that I will say that I also found with this song is I think it also is kind of the precursor to what you would see not only on um the uh uh key uh uh the key of life, but also, what you would see in the 80s. Like, this is, you listen to this, and I can hear where that evolution was made to sunshine of my lo- life, and I just called to say I love you, and some of those other things. Like, this is kind of the early genesis of that, in my opinion, when I listen to it.
1: Yeah, I just, for me, it has more to say than those, those oh! punks, which is, you know, I get the style, but like, here he's like, I mean, this is, he's basically, you know. You want my take is he's trying to see a, a paradise of sort. But this. it's just you know, it's a vision in his mind. <laughs>
0: Yeah, lyrically, it's nowhere near the, that stuff. But I'm just saying musically, I, I could hear it instrumentally. Yes, you got some wonderful lyrics here. People hand in hand. Have I live, um, lived to see uh, the milk and honey land? Where is hate's a dream and love forever stands? Or is this a vision in my mind? A law was never passed, but somehow all men feel that they are true at last. Um, have we really gone this far through space and time? Or is it a vision in my mind? there's some deep stuff here i mean this is a very introspective and again it, it leads to the inner visions right like this is an inner vision he's having about yep. his wanting society to be in a place where in the 70s it was a really it, rough time yeah 70s and yeah it,
1: you know it was <laughs> it was yeah. and, like i love and this is going on in his very peaceful sounding song. Yeah. And I is. love it because he kind of does like what we've talked about, like what we like with Lynch mo- movies, where it just kind of stays a little too long to make you feel a uncomfortable. Mm. This mm-hmm. song feels like it was like he extended it just slightly to make it a little, little more uncomfortable. Cause like it stops
0: and then the,
1: the guitar just comes back. And I just, I giggle at that just cause I, I just, I love shit like that.
0: Yeah, I'm, you and I both love that, right? And I appreciate the kind of the quirky, the odd timing, the extended things. So, yeah, I mean, this song is really just awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And it blends perfectly into probably, now this is my favorite Stevie Wonder song, just because it, it has a story mm-hmm. with the fucking groove to it, Paul, that that uh his his uh keyboard oh, riff God. like in the drumming uh yeah so living for the city which is a very uh politically charged
0: very politically charged song yeah mm-hmm. it's uh mm-hmm.
1: yeah it's a uh, it's a rough life in the city
0: <laughs> yeah i mean, the song is eventually about a guy um Uh, living a black man. I'm not going to say guy, black man living, uh, during the uh, Mississippi in in the civil rights era. Um, and just all the problems that he's having in terms of the hardships of family, um, and then moving away and getting in a different type of equality. This is, there's a lot here and I love like the spoken interlude in it. Um, it's just, this is just a glorious song.
1: Yeah, it, I mean, it just paints a picture. It's like it's the
0: mm-hmm.
1: character comes from a poor background. Yeah, uh, jobs were not paying. Uh, people are barely getting by, and yeah, and then he the character goes to New York, <laughs> gets mm-hmm. arrested, uh, ten years in prison. Yep. Comes out and he's homeless. Yep. I mean, it's a uh, it's a lot to unpack. It. On. it- in a it's song, long. you know, and like, and it, what I like about it too is because, like, you get that little skit in the middle, mm-hmm. and it feels like we're kind of like on the same, a very not the same, but similar in that as Stevie is that, you know, we're, we don't see what's happened, but we can hear. Yes. And that just to me is really interesting
0: that he does that audio kind of yeah letting us listen again you're on the same page there yeah i mean the lyrics a boy is born in hard time mississippi surrounded by four walls that ain't so pretty his parents give him love and affection to keep him strong moving in the right direction living just enough just enough for the city his father works some days for 14 hours and you can bet he barely makes a dollar his mother goes scrubs the floor for many and you better believe she hardly gets a penny um yeah i mean and it's just it goes down and then you get him into the city and again that interlude is there and you're you're you know you're you're getting everything that's that's kind of happening there and then you're kind of like oh man you know you would think it's it's leading you up to like, hey, he's gonna get to the city, he's gonna make it, and then it flips the script on you again. For the average white listener, I'm gonna say that, and then you go, oh, wait a minute, oh fuck, yeah, <clears throat> yeah, but it's a really really poignant song. And <clears throat> honestly, I'm surprised it didn't get more heat for the story it was telling at the time. But I think he wrapped it up in such a palatable package. That it was hard for anyone not to like it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, because it's it's it is catchy. It's oh yeah, it's, and he does he does these things with lyrics too, which I like. Is he kind of like rearranges like these kind of sayings? So he does it bef- does it here with uh, to find a job is like a haystack needle. You know, it's like a needle in this haystack, and he does it on uh, uh, visions. when He talks about like the milk and honey land. You know, which is. Flip the land of milk and honey. So I kind of like that little twist on lyrics, too, to make 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 the imagery work.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, like, you still get the old-timey sayings, but it doesn't have to be, like, the way we kind of remember them.
0: 100%. 100%. Yes, 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 yes. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm with you. It's, it's so – he is just prolific on every general. Like I said, he, he – there, there's nothing musically he can't do. And that's not me saying, like, trying to be like, oh, I really don't think you could set you could sit him in a room and be like, here, do this, and he's going to have it done within a week. It's just the guy's fucking good, whether it be lyrically, composing, or playing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: All right. So next we have uh, <laughs> Golden Lady. Golden Lady. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, a bad, it's one of his love, love song ballads, uh, again, mm-hmm. but there's kind of, like, more here than... What you typically get from a love ballad, musically and lyrically.
0: Oh yeah, um, I, I, it's there's again a lot. I mean, he was really. I think this is why a lot of people loved his ballads in the '80s because it was still that imagery was there. Um, you know, a touch of rain and sunshine made the flower grow into a lovely smile that's blooming, and it's so clear to me that here's a dream come true. That there's no way that I'll be losing um, a golden lady. I like to go there. Um, you know, looking at your hands, hands can understand waiting for the chance just to hold your hand. There's that play in, in lyrically that he's in the lyrics that he's doing, um, that kind of that double speak. Yeah. yeah. So good. So good. So yeah. Good. So good. Uh-
1: but since I'm not a huge fan of the ballads, I'm gonna move on. Fair. I do want <laughs> uh, to say this the is a song another... that Dan
0: Marison ripped off. Well, <laughs> before we get there, I do want to say this is another one of those songs on where, where, that I also felt was like a precursor, like the origins of what we would get later in the 80s. Like again, you listen to this and you go, I can see how we got Sunshine of Your Life. Um, I can see how we got some of those other ones. So there was brewing here early, it's just it came out in the 80s. But yes, let's move on to dan marison
1: (laughs) dan marison (laughs) rip this off for that song and all the gods kill Uh, this is an interesting song because it's catchy as hell but like the lyrics are kind of like holy fuck because it's he's dealing with some heavy things here Uh, yes i'm so darn glad he let me try again because my last time on earth i lived a whole world of sin so i'm glad i (laughs) that I know more than I knew then gonna keep on trying till I reach my highest
0: ground yeah uh huh dude this is okay it's amazing that we've dealt with like last week's album with uh, tears for fears and then going into this like very dense very uh, you know dark um, personal
1: anxieties personal
0: anxieties and issues and things like that the difference there between what we had last week and this week is this is packaged in a far more fun package that and the lyrics and things match it where again 10 years later from this album tears for fears would kind of do the same thing but as you said, you know, in your words, you took that as clown music. Um, so it would have been interesting to see what would have happened had Tears of Fears not had the 80s and had been doing it on tape and things like that, like Stevie did. Um, I, I bet you would have gotten something a little bit different. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's just so good. People keep on learning. Soldiers keep on warring. World keeps on turning because it won't be too long. People keep on lying while your people keep on dying. Our powers keep on lying while your people keep on dying will keeps on turning because it won't be too long dude it's so good it's just it's saying so much here (laughs) but it's so simple and it's so deep
1: yeah you know i mean yeah it's he you know the higher ground basically is just trying to reach that to be a better person you know what Mm -hmm. i mean just kind of and, you know, there's probably the religious stuff in there. I'm not a religious scholar. You know more about religion. I, I, do. I do. I do. He has some of that on here, but, like, it's not
0: preachy. No. And, you know, the thing is, is that Stevie, okay, so I follow some of my stuff. And I got in a little bit of the trans uh, 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 transcendental meditation as well. You know that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and there is these, um, there are these messages of that and buddhist and um samsara uh, and karma and and things like that and nirvana being the, the highest of the spiritual grounds um and that's where a lot of this comes from is it's not just christianity he's taking all these different religions and that's the whole thing with the higher ground it's kind of like the the moving of the uh, uh of the chakras as it were
1: mm-hmm. yep yep and then we go into uh Yeah, Jesus.
0: (sighs) Love this song. Yeah, I love this
1: because it feels like a, it feels like a song that could have been on Marvin Gaye's "What's Going On." Uh huh. Definitely feels in that vibe, just kind of like that, that bass, like that, that kind of slower and minor key sounding bass, and it for a song that's kind of like about you know you know, kind of like talking about Jesus, and it's, it has this, like, really dark vibe to it. Well, Very seedy vibe. It feels like something you'd hear in a Scorsese movie in the 70s, you know what I mean? Yeah,
0: yeah, no, it has that, but what I I really uh, think, again, this is something that's been going on for a long time. Again, this album was made in 1973, and let's point it out here, he's calling out and I know Christians, people are giving like blah blah blah. And yes, it's mainly because Christianity in America is the main form of religion, um, you know, or not the main, but the but but the majority. And he's really pointing out the the pros and cons not of hitchhiking, Joe, of, of, of religion here, of organized religion of, you know, you have the bright things, but then you have the people are doing the wrong things, you know, like holy roller. Are you standing like a soldier? Um, are you standing for everything we talk about? Um,
1: which is, you know, cause there's a lot of the platitudes from, you know, religious people, right? and they don't really, uh, you know, back up the message with their actions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you have these people, like, especially in the 70s when Vietnam's going on, you know, very much in the Bible, thou shall not kill, although there's still the eye for the eye. The Bible's full of contradictions. Yes. That's just what kind of put it. But he's kind of calling them out. Yeah, he is. He's absolutely like, calling them out on this. You know, because, like, you got, like, somebody like uh, Martin Luther King, who put his uh, money where his mouth was with that. Mm-hmm. And then but then you have like these others that are like hobnobbing with Nixon
0: in the White House, <clears throat> Billy Graham. <laughs> Billy Graham. And you see that. I mean, you see that today. I mean you yeah, saw that you with still, you saw yeah. that with
1: Trump. You, you saw
0: that with Trump. Yeah. Saw
1: it with Bush a lot. And it's just like mm-hmm. but, uh, Trump was one thing because I just knew whatever. I'm not gonna, gonna spiel, but like the Bush one was especially with the two wars going on at the same time.
0: Like that really uh, jaded me a bit. Oh, absolutely. Again, it's you know, religion has become at least uh, when, you know, anything, when it becomes an institution, uh, eventually what happens is the money takes over and it becomes a fucking, uh, you know, it it, it loses what it was because the the power and the grab for for money um, is just so tempting that you gotta go where the money leads. Um, And you see that a lot of times and, you know, um, I love songs, you know, I love songs like this When you can tell someone is truly, is, is like, is the, is the paragon of what the religion is supposed to be about, calling out those that aren't. Like, when he's singing this song, you can really tell that he is devout in his beliefs. And he is interpreting it the way it's supposed to be interpreted, not... Not I I know people go there's no well. no there is a wrong way to interpret it and too many people are interpreting it the wrong way and Stevie Wonder and myself and thousands of, of other people will tell you the fuck off so there you go <laughs> yeah, <laughs> thank I you it, it's
1: thank it's you awesome, I mean yeah, you have to seventies it's it's you know I, it, it's it's a crisis of faith I'd imagine he was going through
0: mm-hmm.
1: especially uh, but I mean you. Sometimes you got to say it, just go out and say it, and he did in song
0: form. He mm-hmm. called you all out. <laughs> well, again, and you look at it, he realized the hypocrisy of Christianity, even though he's devout still, um, but he looked at the other religions, Buddhism, um you know transcendental meditation, things like that, to find some of those answers. and he was able to create the puzzle, as it were. Um, or complete the pulse, as it were. Of wait a minute, these are the te- these right here are the real teachings we should be focusing on, and that's the peace, that's the loving, um, that's the um, not killing thing. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yep. And then we go into probably a, the song that I don't really care for on the album. Uh, the uh, all all in love is fair. It's a a love song. Uh, I'm not not much of a ballad person. Well, I I like some, but it just...
0: Okay. I know it's not a concept album, but I look at this as Golden Lady Part 2. That's why I like this one, because I thought just a couple songs ago, we were talking about how he's never going to lose this person, and now... All of fate's a chance. It's either good or bad. I toss my coin to say, in love with me, you'd stay. But all in war is is so cold, you either win or lose. When all is put away, the losing side, I'll play. So I thought that was, I kind of looked at that as like, wow, he's looking at both sides now. When I take Golden Lady and this, and kind of showing the yin and the yang, as it were, to a relationship.
1: Yeah, yeah, I get, but I'm just, this also yeah. feels very much like another one of the, the, the patient
0: zero of, I just called to
1: say I love you sound.
0: Yes, again, it's, it's, it's all there, right? It's, it's all there. It's all there. We've talked about that. Yeah, it's all there. All right. Now we get to the big power one, Joe.
1: <laughs> Don't you worry about a thing.
0: Don't you worry about a thing. Um, Okay, this song has been covered by more people than I think, not maybe any song, but by such a range. Um, Jacob Collier, um, who's another um, friend of mine introduced me to, is a musical wonder kid, um, did a great version of this. Um, Boney James, Carmen McRae, Incognito, Tori Kelly, the main ingredient, John Lennon, uh, John Legend. Excuse me. Um, it goes on and on and on. Mink, David Axelrod. There are so many covers of this song, and it's no wonder the song is a fucking banger.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, it's it's great, and it and it starts with like him speaking uh,
0: Spanish and I think Arabic. i i I could be i love it i'm here for
1: it (laughs) but yeah this is a yeah this is a banger this is this is uh, i I love that opening for me when stevie goes funky that's the best
0: stevie that is the best stevie and i i love this song because i really think this one here i i interpret as like now we're seeing kind of the kinkier side of of um of uh, Stevie Wonder, like this just reeks to me like of a like a let's try new things in the bedroom song. That's that's, yeah, that's yeah.
1: very very yeah. much uh kind of a Prince vibe going. Uh
0: huh. Oh yeah. This is like, hey, don't you worry about this. We're gonna try this, and you're gonna be just fine. Oh yeah. Ooh, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. We're gonna kink up the bedroom. Like this is definitely about pegging. Go on, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. I'm sorry, you were saying. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah, it's it's a horny song. <laughs> it's, a, it's a horny song. Oh yeah, there's no, there's no like like I could see people like it's not a horny song. It's a drug song. No, it is not. No, it is not. <laughs>
1: Some songs are up for debate, you know, like interpretation. I, I find very little interpretation. <laughs> so, like, it could be about drugs, but I, I don't see any evidence.
0: Uh, uh-uh. people like, you know, it's a trip. No, 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 no. Key thing here, I'll be. Don't you worry about a thing, Mama, because I'll be standing by your side when you check it out. When you get off your trip, come on. No, 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 no. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's yeah. This is a horny song. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, but yeah, it's a banger.
0: Mm, it's such a banger. More people a great need song. to listen to this. I, I'm going to pull this up here. I, I just there's there's an actual spreadsheet, Joe, of how many people have covered this song, and I'm just going to do a quick count here, real quick. While while you continue the next song.
1: Everybody loves to hear dead air as Paul counts the covers. <laughs> <laughs> anyway yeah the next song is because i'm gonna move along mm-hmm. he's a mr know-it-all paul uh, very much an in a scathing indictment of one richard Milhouse nixon this is kind of back in the day when people thought man there's no way we could do worse than nixon
0: yeah Fortunately,
1: america has a hold my beer mentality
0: <laughs> we do have a hold my beer mentality don't we um, yeah, no, I, and, and, um, it's very, I, I mean, even I knew that this was about Nixon, um, and without even, you know, before even looking up the Wikipedia, I'm like, this feels like it's about Nixon.
1: Uh. <laughs> <laughs> makes a deal with a smile <laughs> and all the time he's, his lies a mile. <laughs> he's a yeah. All. Oh yeah. I guess Nixon, he was just racked over the coals by all musicians in the seventies and Yeah, I I mean, oddly, uh, by today's standards, Nixon would pretty much be considered one of the more liberal presidents we've had. Isn't that crazy? (laughs) The Clean Air and Water Act and opening dialogue with uh, China.
0: Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's definitely one of those things where... He was still a piece of shit, though. (laughs) Yes, he was.
1: Uh, if you want to read one of the most hilarious things about Nixon, read Hunter S. Thompson's uh, obituary. <laughs> Where are basically it's just, uh, yeah, he gets torn to pieces. But this is another kind of like a really good song. And it's, you know, it's it's more preachy, I think, than people were kind of expecting from Stevie with politics. But with Nixon, I don't think it was the politics. I think it was the fact that he was such a scumbag that, yeah, like, even Republicans didn't like him toward the end because he upended uh, a lot of the norms that we expected of the executive branch. So it was bipartisan, the hatred of Richard Nixon in his time.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I, I apologize if I see a little thing there. Joe, Um. so this this database that I looked at, this, this thing of different versions, 109. <laughs> 109 <laughs> covers recorded covers of Don't Worry About a Thing. That's how that's that's how much of a banger that this song is. Yeah. yeah um that's crazy. crazy.
1: But yeah, I, I think how many times it, the songs this album's been sampled. Oh, I would imagine a lot. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> a lot. Stevie Wonder's music is just ripe for amazing hip-hop sampling too. It's just crazy.
0: hell yeah. Hell yeah! All
1: like the jazzy and reggae and like classical and like he has these like these little bits in here that, <laughs> when sampled, it just takes it could make an entire other song out of it. And that's just how much of a genius this guy is.
0: Yeah, a hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, no, but, but but getting back to Nixon, I also think one of the, one of the big issues with Nixon was um, it was, I mean. <sighs> there was a time when people did not like liars um there was a time when we had uh a you didn't have political parties and political members coming out and lying for the people there was integrity um there was things and and i think um you know when you look back at the time of nixon that's really where a lot of it came you know came from was this Oh man, we lost everything, you know, after Nixon, it hurt everything, blah, blah, blah. And we can never admit that mistake again. And it's like, "Mm." so yeah, I think with Nixon, you're exactly right. It wasn't the policies. It was the, it was the personality.
1: It was the betrayal.
0: It was the betrayal.
1: Lying to the nation uh,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: about, you know, petty, about, you know, crime. It wasn't a petty crime. People went to jail for it yeah but it was just it was so it was incredibly stupid that he lied about it and that's i think that's what another thing that pissed people off is just like that's and like people that you know we weren't even born yet but once the watergate hearings happened and people just kind of saw just how he's just doubling down and like that used to be frowned upon if you're wrong and you doubled down people disliked you more now you're you're going to get a second turn, you know?
0: <laughs> yep, yep. No, and I, and I will say, this is a wonderful closing song for this album, by the way, too. Just musically, everything like that, like, it is, it's a great spot to put it.
1: Yep, yeah, yep, yeah, yeah. So, that was Stevie Wonder's Inner Visions, mostly with him playing every fucking instrument. Uh, and uh, the, the wild part, too, is like, He's did he did like these like five albums, and he was still he was touring while he was doing all this too. You know, yeah, like, it wasn't like he's just sitting around the studio for a year ca- cranking these out. I think the guy was on tour and doing all like that kind of like that burst of pro- pro- uh, prolific writing is. Just jaw-dropping to me.
0: Yeah, 100%. And to be able to do that, you know, I mean, like, like again, he's out touring, he's doing these things, and he's making the next album. Like, holy shit. Like, this was, he was a truly working man's thing.
1: Yeah, yeah. That was like a, you know, that kind of stuff slowed down, I think, when, uh, you know, people started spending more time in the studio. Well. Technology I, advanced, but like, unfortunately, did he have... with the advancement of technology, uh, it's kind of made music worse. I, it, it, I feel like because he's doing a lot with the limitations he had in the studio. Yeah, he's playing those to his the strengths, so it 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 sounds a lot better. Where today, like in Pro Tools, you can make any sound you want, and people are just making
0: mumble rap. Hmm. Yeah. No. I, I mean, mumble rap is. Oh, we're gonna fine, get fine, but up, it's just it, like it, we're gonna get there. Uh, we're gonna get The
1: intervision Skype of. <laughs> Productions like we could do literally anything in the studio now. You could you can overlap your vocals like a million times. Like
0: did, now, re, now when did Stevie though? Also, when did he have the car accident? Because I know he was. In the, had,
1: it was like uh the, I think a few days after this album came out.
0: Was it a few days after the album came out? Okay, yeah, God, it was
1: like see, right when it came out, I believe. Like,
0: yeah, because like, I knew it was after this album, but I didn't know how long after the album. He
1: um, had another. Then that was another. Like which caused. Yeah, 3 days after the release of Intervisions and that caused a, him to go even more bold and mm-hmm. introspective and outrospective and all that like
0: it just that cuz he was in a coma. Yeah. Yeah, he yeah, he it, people thought it was fate like it was it, people thought he was going to die.
1: Yeah. 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 So, yeah, he he came out of it. He lost the sense of smell for a long time. Uh he worried that he wouldn't be able to record or perform. He came back like it was the album he did after that, which was uh, "Fulfillingness's First Finale," which is good. But then, yep. then "Songs in the Key of Life," which I
0: "Song in the Key of Life." Did. Yeah,
1: yeah. So, yeah
0: he he had
1: he had a five album string there. Some of the best music ever recorded. It's wild. It's awesome. It's, it's absolutely amazing. It's absolutely died wild. and he came back and he made yeah. even better music.
0: I, I know, right? I know, right? It's insane. It's insane when you think about it. Yeah. Guy was fucking genius. Yeah. Um Yeah. So, Joe, what was the I mean, what was kind of the aftermath of the album? Like, like how was it received and that type of thing? Oh, yeah. it was <laughs> well well received except for like uh uh
1: fuck i right came across this on uh on wikipedia because i was just like what kind of asshole would say this so john Tyven of from circus magazine which i'd imagine is now defunct but <laughs> stevie had some momentum going he went and put together a concept album of homogenous music <laughs> rather and rather typical lyrics, unlike his last two albums, there's no real, there are no real low spots on this album, which I suppose is an improvement. There's no songs and intervisions, which are truly outstanding either. There's no superstition, no I believe <laughs> I fall in oh love my will God. be forever by constructing solid ground for much to work. Stevie has lowered the ceiling, put a damper on his talents. <laughs> <down. laughs>
0: yes, yes, the the album that had the song that there's a hundred and nine recorded covers for. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
1: Living for the city, which has like probably one of the most memorable grooves to it, and higher ground, one of the biggest. <laughs> I think it was like this album was album of the year. Yeah. No shit. <laughs> this out, fucking like, idiot. What uh, is
0: what is circus? What the fuck is circus? Yeah. Um, it's clown Town Chief. <laughs> it, it
1: is. Well, it was published from October 66 to May 2006.
0: Oh, so. well, thank God! That they're not around being
1: anymore. Contrarian dipshits, I guess.
0: Yeah. 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 Oh man, Kurt Loader was on it. That's all I needed to know. All right, go on. <laughs> MTV's Kurt Loader. MTV's Kurt Loader got his start with the uh, Circus Magazine. It looks like.
1: Yeah, those you magazines. Know. A lot of people got their... I mean, those are just counterculture music magazines where, I mean, to be fair, Rolling Stone was one, and that's where one of my favorite authors got his uh, start. Break, so, yeah.
0: And, and to be fair, Circus, it looks like it was devoted to rock music. So, you get this album, of course, they're going to give it a negative review because it's not rock. Um, <laughs> so, so oh, and
1: David Frick on
0: there, <laughs> yeah, yeah, David Frick on there, too. Uh huh. Yeah. Okay. It
1: would just. Yeah, the man, with the biggest boner for you too i swear to god oh
0: my god dude yeah no that was my old roommate um yeah i know this album like it's it's gotten like 10 out of 10s and five out of fives and a's and shit like that so yeah it, it was very well received no shit except for circus uh, magazine eat a dick <laughs>
1: Yeah, Higher Ground was number one US R&B charts. Living for the City was number one US R&B charts. Don't you worry about the thing with number two US R&B.
0: Jesus Christ, this fucking guy thought he was being a genius. I me wonder. Um,
1: what you know about this album? <laughs> I just love this album's <laughs> <laughs> This is the Living for the City. Like, oh, I, this. These are very uninspired lyrics. <laughs> Very (laughs) tight, fucking nerd.
0: (laughs) I, I tell you, I'm gonna go and I'm gonna go and I'm gonna listen to Stevie Wonder album and I'm gonna tell you it sucks. (laughs) (laughs) Um, John (laughs) Timon. So, Joe, um, would you? Let's get to our recommendations here. Would you recommend Inner Visions by Stevie Wonder?
1: Yeah, I absolutely would, and I think it's a, a fantastic entry point for Stevie Wonder, too. The, either this or Talking Book mm-hmm. would be a great start. I mean, then you can kind of go off and attempt songs in the key of life, which even for me, and I've owned that, I've, I have it on vinyl, and I've listened to it a lot. It's still a it's a challenging listen.
0: It is. like it It's is. like
1: like when we talked about Joe's Garage, is that sometimes like these are just challenging listens
0: yeah, there's so yeah.
1: much kind of going on.
0: There's a lot going on there. I, I would agree with that yeah, I think I think you know there's this classic era um you know I think yeah, I mean getting um um you know sunshine of my you know you are the sunshine of my life um and superstition on the same album um it's a good start. It's a good start and then you can get to like true funky town with inner visions and take off from there. yeah, I think it's a wonderful starting point. Yeah, either uh, from CB as well.
1: Look, yeah, they're, you can't go wrong with either. Yeah. <laughs> they're no, just they no. uh, It's a guy at his creative peak. Yeah, Well, at least maybe on his version, of creative peak. I'd argue maybe "Songs in the Key of Life" is his creative peak, and as, you know it still baffles people, and people love it, and there's people who just don't like it because it's too, too much, and I don't blame them. But
0: yeah,
1: intervisions like it's compact down to nine tracks it kind of gives you a taste of a bit from his past with the ballady stuff and a sense of where he's going after so it's a good it's a great uh,
0: combination yeah n- n- no and i and i'm with you i recommend the album yeah i mean who am i gonna fucking be like oh no it's got five out of five ten out of ten don't fucking look at that album yeah <laughs> uh. Yeah, no, I totally recommend it. Um, it's, it's if you haven't heard it, you're really just doing yourself a disservice musically,
1: and you're in for a treat if you just when you do decide to listen to it because it's, it's it's wild. It's like the production because Paul and I always talk about production, and sometimes we're on the same page and sometimes we're not. But uh, this is the kind of thing which I is like such a high point in mm-hmm. production. It's just so it's not too much it's it's done just perfectly right as the, the right amount mm-hmm. which is like it's hard to get that balance and and talked and, about tears for fears last week those songs are great but they kind of went too far for me and some of the production choices where this is a perfect kind of
0: yeah and and again, and think about it, he was doing it himself. <laughs> yeah, he was doing it all by himself. I mean, I mean there were some associate producers involved with it, but really yeah, some he was people doing, it doing instruments himself. on other songs here and there. Yeah. It was mostly him. It's it. mostly him. Like like, like like for example, okay, too high. You had some backing vocals. Okay, fine. Visions yeah you had some you know some people playing some of the other guitar work on it and 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 the bass
1: bass. yeah 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 then you Uh, have living for the city
0: which is fucking wild It's like yep that's all stevie all stevie (laughs) yep yep golden lady got a couple other people on it higher ground all fucking stevie (laughs) higher ground (laughs) is all fucking stevie holy shit um children of america all stevie Stevie. yep All's love, uh, All in love is fair. All you had a guy playing the bass. That's that's the only thing that Stevie didn't do. Don't you worry about a thing. Look, there's a guy playing the bongos and the shakers. Other than that, it's fucking <laughs> Stevie.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it, uh, Mr. No-it-all, you got one guy playing electric bass.
0: <laughs> yep, it's all Stevie, and Stevie's producing this thing. Again, this is, I mean, I, I, I know... I would put Beck in this category. Like he is like I think Beck was a big Stevie Wonder fan because this is kind of what Beck was doing. Beck, I am sure he was listening to Stevie and going, Stevie did all the shit himself. I I can do all my shit myself. It's in the same level to me.
1: Yeah. Fred um, Reznor did the same thing with the yep. first Nine Inch Nails
0: albums. It was all him, pretty happy. It was all him.
1: Fred Reznor, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. a lot of people are just like, oh, you can just do this yourself and not have to deal with other people. Fantastic.
0: Right. Absolutely. And he kind of showed
1: him how to do it. And like, hell, he, I think he inspired like McCartney to an extent because McCartney started just doing that with his uh, self-titled albums.
0: Yep. Yep. And I think he started doing that with a couple of the Wings albums as well, didn't he?
1: No, Wings was the group, so yeah. Oh, uh,
0: yeah, Wings was the group. Like okay. it's,
1: it's, uh, like McCartney, McCartney 2, especially McCartney 2, which I can hear a lot of Stevie Wonder on. Oh, like, oh a yeah. Of, a lot of this and a lot of songs from the Key of Life on McCartney 2. But yeah, it's just, it's wild. And, you know, I don't know if he was the first, probably not, but he's definitely one of the key figures of just doing it yourself. I'm going to play all the instruments and I'm going to play them better than 99% of the people out there playing these instruments, which has got to be very humbling.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I apologize when I, when I met when I met with Wings was I thought he was doing a lot of the production for it, not all the instruments, but I thought he was doing a lot of the production. Oh, he
1: probably was. Yeah, but McCartney yeah, so. stuff was him playing all the instruments.
0: All the instruments, yes. Yeah, and he didn't he do like a a, a movie uh, movie soundtrack as well, like some um, scores and things like that that he was doing all himself as well. I mean, yeah. I mean, but again, it wasn't until Stevie was doing it. <laughs> yeah. Yep.
1: <laughs> Stevie was. Yeah, he's a groundbreaker. It's it's fantastic, and it it's, it falls in like my favorite era of R and B, just like this funky like this era. Also, that gave me my favorite Miles Davis stuff was uh, on the corner or on the street where he does the funky stuff too. It's just like it was just kind of like this America was all funky and it was great, and now
0: how we have porch radio. Yeah, no, yeah, poor. And yes, I was able, I was able to, to, to uh, I had to do it. Yes, Paul McCartney was the producer for the Wings albums, so um, yeah, I just had to make sure of that. All right, Joe, what do you got? Let's do some plugs here, buddy. What do you guys got going on at the Joe Down Down? down? You just released the uh, Exorcist Two oh. review.
1: Yeah, you <laughs> did. Yeah, you did. You did.
0: Oh, yeah. Fuck. That's, uh. that's
1: it. That fucking movie
0: exists, huh? That fuck, dude. It's so bad. Like when you told me that, I was just had flashbacks of like watching him for the first time and they're doing this fucking weird hypnosis shit and they got a goddamn fucking helmet with electrodes on fucking and it's just like they're in the future in this fucking oh Jesus Christ.
1: It's so bad. Like the, the incomprehensible James Earl Jones scenes, which make no sense. Like, uh, also, it also turns into a David Lynch movie. Like, it's, it's like, it's such a jarring transition in the story to like a hallucinatory thing that it's like, it's like, it almost like, felt like an early draft of like Lost Highway or Mulholland Drive. Like fuck what?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Except, except it makes less sense than those movies. It makes less now. sense
1: than those. Like those, at least you <laughs> can kind of, you he... feel like it makes sense, like yeah, even though, yeah. like on paper, it doesn't. <laughs> like mm-hmm. that, that didn't make any sense.
0: Yeah. And then yeah, uh, yeah.
1: We're, the next move we're doing is Clerks.
0: Oh, uh, nice. Have you I seen, have seen you... the new one, Clerks Three? Yep. yep. How was that? I haven't seen it yet. I liked it. I liked it. Uh, a lot of fans
1: didn't. Uh, you'll understand why I think some people didn't like it when you see it. It's
0: uh, pretty meta, right? Huh. Pretty meta, isn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah, and it's also pretty depressing.
0: Okay. Because he's dealing
1: okay. with, you know, it's it's about...
0: His heart attack. His,
1: his own heart attack he had, yeah. and facing mortality and stuff. So you kind of have that going on with Randall. Randall has the heart attack and decides to make the Clerks movie. I liked oh. it. Uh, and I haven't liked a Kevin Smith movie in a very long time, probably since tusk or red state i don't know i, I remember I like tusk. Tusk i like tusk i, was, I like tusk uh, i hated yoga hosers i hated jane silent bob reboot i really hated jane silent bob reboot i he played so he did a q a and showed that at the fargo theater and i went and saw it and like we had to watch the movie first and i was so mad i almost walked out on the q a because i was like this movie's fucking terrible oh, like that was the biggest horse piece of shit movie i'd ever seen
0: well, yeah, I, I didn't mind. I didn't mind it. I didn't like Yoga Hosers that much. Um, there was the other one he did. What was it? I forget what it was called. With his daughter in it, I didn't like it. Um, and yeah, Tusk I liked. Uh, but, you know, I mean, you know, I, all I ever wanted was mall rats too, and We never got it. So, you know, that's just you, my defense. You saying
1: they are going to make it, man.
0: I, I, at this point, don't. At this point, yeah. don't. All
1: right. I don't know. I'm not his
0: dad. Yeah, that's true. I'm not his dad. All right. (laughs) Well, Joe, before we get to my pick um, for next week, I just want to bring up our audience. (laughs) Our audience is awesome, dude. So we're yeah, I, was like, I
1: thought you were gonna be like, Joe, they're pissed at you for that tears for fear shit.
0: No, not at all. Not at all. I just want to bring up the fact that we are still we're climbing even now a little bit pacing above a hundred listens a week now. Um, to our to our podcast. Um, we've grown in popularity, bro. Um, top three countries. United States Singapore and the United Kingdom. <laughs> I don't know what we're doing. I don't know if it's VPNs I don't know what it is guys but um, yeah the the map is definitely growing. Um, uh, we had some uh, we had apparently had a, a new fans and new fans in Singapore. they apparently found us this this is a new one but we're in Columbus Austin um, L- Los Angeles, Ashburn, Anchorage we're, We' about found in Alaska bro um napa uh queens sacramento salt lake city seattle um waterloo we're we're everywhere bro it's it's kind of nice yeah yep amsterdam we made it in amsterdam joe sweet so
1: yeah. i just want <laughs> it weird i just i gotta wrap my head around people listening to us <laughs> it's just so weird to me. Isn't it weird? Dude? But I appreciate the shit out of it. Like thank, obviously- thank you for listening to us. It's making me uncomfortable now. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, again, if you guys want more fan requests, um, you know how to hit us up. You can find us on the on SoundCloud. You can find us at the blog. You can find me on um, Facebook. You can find our, our Facebook page, the the pod down. Um, you can email us at talkingtwinpeaks at gmail.com. So, yeah, absolutely. We did not get a fan request, which means, Joe, I get to pick next week's album. And this is an album I've wanted to do a long time for us. And. I just you know stevie wonder um doing uh, you know don't worry about a thing with this horny song i decided we're gonna do um nathaniel merriweather pre- presents lovage music to make love to your old lady by all right nice yes so as you know this is a collaborative project with dan the animator um under the pseudonym Nathaniel Merryweather that he made for a different project called *The Handsome Boy Modeling School*, um, and it features Mike Patton and Jennifer Charles, Kid Koala, and Brandon Arnavik. Um, So, yeah um i'm excited for that one for next week i absolutely uh, you know i love the album i'm interested to see what your take is on the album and i think it's about time that we started hitting mike patton because he's in so many different bands and we're gonna get to some i know we're gonna get to all of them at one point
1: yeah more than likely <laughs> <laughs> yeah i've seen him live he was amazing
0: i saw him live as well with mr bungle and it was amazing
1: yeah i saw him with peeping tom did yeah. you? I, yeah they opened up for gnarles barkley it was amazing one of the best shows i ever saw
0: awesome awesome i saw him at the was it the mist or the caboose i think it was the mist i think it was a mist I I saw,
1: it was a sold out show at first ave
0: nice nice
1: i know a lot of shows sold out at first ave so that's it's wild there when it's sold out
0: it is it is i've been to a couple i've been to a couple of sold out shows in first ave and it's I it's
1: been to two. So yeah. And each time it's wild. It's a wild scene, man.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. All right. So, yep. Yeah, so that's what we're going to do. Um, Joe, do you have anything to bring up before we, uh, before we close out here, bud?
1: Not really. No. Uh, Oh wait. I, yeah. Just because like, you know, I know our fans like, kind of like, you know, uh, like a lot of the stuff we do. I just want to let, let them know if they don't, that, uh, Barnes and Noble has the Criterion shit at fifty percent off. Mm. This is not a paid ad or anything, but this is more like, hey, if you want to get that Lost Hi- Highway four K, like I did, now is the time to do it <laughs> because it's uh, otherwise it's like fifty bucks.
0: So nice. And, and I hadn't say-
1: watched it. I hadn't seen Lost Highway since it came out on home video, and like I had no idea what the fuck back then because I was pretty young and all sorts of other things I don't want to talk about on here. Cause I want to remain employed.
0: Sure. <laughs> um, yep. Absolutely. So I
1: watched it for the first time and like, I've, i fucking loved it, Paul. And like, you were so right when uh, we were watching the return and messaging each other mm-hmm. that the return was very much feeling like uh lost highway. <laughs> yeah. Very much like, like, like lost highway. Yeah. Yeah. Like mix of lost highway and Mulholland drive.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah.
1: Yeah, Yeah. So I got that in the Elephant Man
0: because I didn't
1: have that. So
0: I personally love Lost Highway. Um, That was one of my true first instant, like, like my my true. I think deep dive into david lynch like that's really what opened up like i've seen some other things you know in that time frame and i was like whatever you know and you know we had twin peaks but i was too young to understand dave you know like what david lynch meant and everything like that and of course i love dune but that's not really a, a typical david lynch movie yeah,
1: um it's, almost, it's hard for me to call that a lynch movie it has a lot of lynchian stuff in it but it really doesn't fall yeah it's like when I think of his movies, I never think of Dune. Yeah, is, it just... You know, it, and I'm, I have a feeling he doesn't either.
0: I don't think he... I don't, I don't think he does. But Lost Highway, I remember going and seeing and, like, falling in love with it and, like, what is happening here and, like, the whole deep dive and getting into the whole... um Uh, duality that lynch really likes to show and like i said it like there was a lot of 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 the return in it so i'm so glad that you finally got to see it again and um appreciate it for what it is because it is fucking great
1: yeah and the 4k transfer is fantastic it's like the criterion stuff is just great i have the 4k of Mulholland drive that's another just It just pops off the screen. So awesome. I'll be watching the elephant man, because I bought that too. And I haven't seen that in a few years. I love that movie though, too.
0: It's such a good movie. Yeah. I, uh, um, I actually ended up getting because of you, the criterion app, actually the streaming service. So, um, yeah, yeah. But, um, no, I think that's absolutely awesome. And again, if you're, you're, you're in those things, my uh, fans, I think you'd absolutely love that. um,
1: just so the heads up on the deal because, you know, I'm a frugal person, so I wait until shit's on sale. So, again, I'm not, we're not stumping for ad revenue from uh, Barnes and Noble or whatever. I just, hey, if you guys, if you want to pick it up and get it for 25 instead of 50 now's the time
0: to do it. No, smart. No, I, guys, we don't do paid ads here again. We don't make any money on this. We discussed that in a, another episode earlier, uh, where, um, that's not really our bag on this on this show. Um, trying to, we're not really trying to make money on this. We just want to give you guys entertainment from the land of Minnesota. Um, all right, North Dakota chief. In North Dakota. Fine, the Midwest pig fuckers. We're gonna get. We're you from the Midwest. <laughs> God damn it. Um. Damn it. God damn it. You're know always fucking it up, Muadib. <laughs> <laughs> You ruined the universe. You created a jihad, (laughs) Muad'Dib. All right, Joe, do you want to take us out? No. This has been Rate That Album with Paul Muad'Dib and Joe Freming. Thank you for listening.